Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Event Industry News Podcast with me, James Dixon, wishing you all a very good morning, afternoon, or evening, whenever or wherever you join today's podcast from. Um, and welcome aboard a first-time guest on the show, um, talking about something that I suppose is a little bit different to some of the recent subject matter we've had on the podcast, as always event related, but uh, let's dive into it and find out a little bit more with my guest today, Mr. Andrew Morrow. Andrew, welcome to the podcast. And uh, as I said, I've been deliberately vague at the start there in terms of what we're going to be talking about today. Um, it's it's something called the Events Club. Um, it is a literal club, a literal facility. Before we get into exactly what it is, why don't we just give our, our podcast listeners a little bit of context as to who you are, what you do within the industry? No problem. Firstly, thank you for having me on, James. Um, so I, I've been in this industry for longer than I care to say, coming up to sort of nearer 25 years. Um, but I can't ever say that I I was a caterer or a planner or a, a florist, etc. What I've done for those 25 years is run venues. So I started off at the Business Design Centre where I was involved in art and design events. Um, and then I moved over to Old Billingsgate when it was pretty pretty much in its infancy um, and spent three years there getting it to sort of, you know, a, a bigger name on in the world of uh, event venues. Um, did some really interesting deals there. Did the first square venues and events show. That's really showing my age. So probably going about 18 years. Um, and did a great um, agreement with Ultimate Experience, which again started that really that mega run of, of what they used to do. So three, four weeks at Christmas, three, four weeks in summer. Um, and that was uh, you know, an incredible thing to be involved with. Um, and then I moved over to a much smaller company that started off quite small with, a, with an entrepreneur who had found himself with a venue in central London, didn't know what he was doing. And that was called one merit. Well, it was called Maribone place when I, when I got there. Yeah. And, um, quite quickly within sort of six, seven months, we had our second venue in Mayfair um, they both happened to be former churches. And so that was two, uh, we rebranded to be called one events. And then over the next few years, we, we created another, um, four. So we had six at, at any one time and it, it was, it was an interesting time. It was, you know, 2008, 2009, um, going up to when I left in 2020. So, um, you know, we were very much a, a small to medium venue, very much on the, the corporate private weddings, um, uh, ranging, but that, that middle, middle size venue. So, you know, 300 up that sort of level. Yeah. Um, and it, it was, I suppose all those years of, of watching, like I said before, I'm not a caterer, I'm not a, a florist, etc. but it was those years and years and thousands of events that I've watched, um, the real, the key people, you know, the workers, I call them the workers, but it, it's us and it doesn't matter if you're an OSA watching a waiter and a waitress who might be at university earning a bit of money on the side um, all the way up to, you know, senior florists, senior designers or whatever it may be. And watching them come into a venue, um, mainly with big budget events. So we're watching luxury events, spending a lot of money. And I just found it fascinating that this, this, this group of people that would come into a, a venue for a day um, would work on these luxurious, beautiful, incredible events. And then suddenly they disappear after the event back to their 
standard office, let's just say, you know, back to their one bedroom, back to living at home, whatever it may be. And at the same time, I suppose I was, I was afforded the, you know, to be invited to, to the members clubs around London um, by maybe even friends or other industries. A lot of the time it wasn't our industry, it was other industries. And I used to just think this is, this isn't fair. So the people, the people that are, you know, that are on their feet for 18 hours a day, working, working, they're sort of immersed in this incredible life for the day. And then when the event's over, you know, it's, it's see you later and, and back to your normal lives. And at the same time, as I say, I'm, I'm going to these members clubs and I just thought, and this is going back 10, 12 years. And I thought, you know, why can't we be afforded that, that bit of extra luxury that um, yeah. they're getting? So that's where it sort of started, it, it deep rooted many years ago. Um, and sort of just leading up to the pandemic, it was definitely something that was now something I really wanted to do. Um, and the pandemic sort of kicked me up the behind and said, right, this, this is it. So I found an investor and the idea behind the events club sort of took, took, took a ride. Um, I kept it quite quiet for a while. And it was one of those things that you always say to yourself, it seems like a good idea. Mm. Uh, but I couldn't really talk to people about that. I was too worried that someone would say, yeah, it's a really good idea. And I've got 20,000 square feet in the bottom of my venue and I'm going to do the same thing. <laughs> I sort of kept it reasonably quiet to more friends that weren't in the industry and um, a few people that were. And one of the funny thing, one of the, you know, a few of them said, yeah, but our industry is so, they don't, they don't work together very well with other people, you know, competitors stay competitors. And what I suppose the pandemic really did for this business is that it's made people want to work together. You know, we were severely yeah. kicked around, told to leave, told to go and find other jobs. And whether or not it was an important thing to do before the pandemic, it has really come to fruition now that, and you know, I've now probably spoken to 500, 600, 800 people face to face over the last three, four months. And they've ranged from crew all the way up to uh, managing directors and everyone, you know, they get it within a second. You know, when you hear someone saying, oh, why has no one else thought about this? Then you start to realize actually there's definitely something in this. Mm. And I think the, the excitement when I can speak to people face to face and they are coming back at me with things that I hadn't even thought about yet. Yeah. So the events club, because we haven't even really said what the events club is. So the events club. Well, I was is... going to say that's the headline now, yeah. isn't it? That's 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 it. This um, is what we built up to. It is called the events club, and it's everything right. that you said. You know, members club for people who work in the events industry, presumably regardless of what you do in the events industry. Absolutely, um, it's meant to be for everyone in the events industry, and I'll probably keep on going from different subjects here. But what was interesting was having this journey and speaking to landlords and investors who they cemented one of the reasons that I'm doing this. No one has an idea about our industry, um, which I just found so interesting. And what, one of the big examples was an investor I saw. I gave the example of, you know, the lighting designer that did that event for you a few weeks ago. And he said, yeah. yeah. I said, you know that he worked on the Olympics and the shock you know of this guy's face was like but but he's just a lighting person it made no sense to him that he could have a serious you know part in the world so that that was one of the things and then i suppose landlords as well saying to me and investors actually saying why why would you why would you limit it to just one industry and i kept on hearing that it's the same thing i was like but i i know my industry so well that firstly 
I don't, I'm not taking venues that could take 100,000 capacities. I'm taking small venues, small locations, small buildings that can do three, 400 at a time as far as the events yeah. part of it. And they, they still didn't get it. So I said, well, you know, that's my USP. My USP is building the community together, giving them a tangible space. Um, and that and that is something that I've I've really tried to concentrate on. It's a it's a community space, a hub, although I don't like the word hub, but it is a hub yeah. for us who can come together, that can use it as a space, whether or not it's throughout the day, running from one meeting to the next. And the idea is to have four, five, six locations at, at, at one point. So you're planning your days around where you may be able to step into a, an events club, whether or not you're starting your day with a coffee and a croissant, having somewhere to print a floor plan, then you go off to your first meeting and then you're back there later on getting your head down and actually doing two hours work before you then go to your, your next afternoon meeting, for example. Mm. And, you know, there are a plethora of, of flexible workspaces around London and around the country now, but now, I'm trying to do something which is severely aimed at our industry. And I use the the emergency service as an expression sometimes because we have facilities there that I think actually a lot of a lot of offices and places should have. So I'm desperate, you know, we want to put a crash in there. Mm. Uh, why do I want to put a crash in these places? Because, you know, I've, I've been a father for the last five, six years. I understand how important it is that you can get to a meeting in case if, Absolutely, yeah. you know, if, if, teachers go on strike, which is quite political at the moment, a hot topic, you know, or or your babysitter is ill, or you don't have a family member to, to look after them. Why can't you return to work after six weeks, eight weeks, go to that team meeting that, you're, you know, you're desperate to go to. So yeah. adding things like that. And then, you know, having something like that, I realized that not everyone is a parent, but then people like have dogs. So I said, well, let's put a dog fresh on site. And, and again, it's funny when I was speaking to people, the people that don't have kids go oh, i love i love the idea that you're, you're going to have something like that um and we we laid down some foundations of of the principles of the business and then what we're trying to do is is speak to founding members and founding members is what we're we're taking applications for at the moment we're not taking any money at the moment what we want to do is speak to founding members and say what what do they think is useful so one of the things that it's really been a, a big hit from founding members who have applied so far is um, the rest pods. So we're, we're having rest pods in there. We can't unfortunately have you know, sleep pods because the buildings that we've taken don't allow that currently. But the more people we speak to, the more I realize that that's something that maybe location three will have, you know, an option for people to put their heads down. I mean, crew members is, is something I'd like to talk about as well is, is because that's the reason that I created rest pods, but then that, sort of was highlighted that everyone wants a rest pod but crew i would watch for years and years crew turn up at my venues at six o'clock in the morning we've got to remember these crew yeah. are people that go up ladders that are more likely to injure themselves than anyone else and yet they are the ones that go from one shift that finishes at two o'clock at i'll say the science museum or the victoria now whoever it may be you know yeah and yep. they will have nothing, nowhere, I should say, to go for four hours until they're on site at 6 a.m. And I have seen thousands of these people look dreadful and terrible. When I asked where they have been, they would say nowhere. They've wandered the streets. So that yeah. was my first reason to have rest pods. So they would be able to have a safe location across London where they can turn up, they can have a shower, 
they can have something to eat, they can put their feet up, they can watch a film, they can have a coffee and they can have a bacon sandwich. You know, and when they leave at five o'clock in the morning, they will feel refreshed. So I'm trying to put the onus um, on the responsibility to to crewing agencies and, and general agencies from that point of view. We're yeah. trying to get to a point where the events club becomes, you know, the vision is you go for a job interview and you say, are you a member of the events club? Because my last business was, and I love being there because it helped. We're talking about the word, we, we use the word supercharge. It helps supercharge their days. Um, and whether or not that is being able to turn up during the day to get some work done properly um, and not sit in a, a Pret or a Starbucks um, or turn up at, at nine o'clock at night and you know and have something to eat when nowhere else is really open so i could carry on talking but i don't know if you no, want to try i try and get a question in it's it, it's a, there's a few things to pick out then and something that you mentioned it, it is you know a comment that was made to you about oh, why would you why would you open a club for such a sort of a you know a small industry or a niche industry i forget you know the, the, the exact exact word you use but you know that this is this is clearly the misconception of, of the events industry by people who don't understand how the industry works is is not just that it's not small, not just that it's not niche, but, you know, it, it, it's not just people walking around with clipboards telling a florist where to put flowers. You know, th this that, is... A that's seven... one of the things I say, but nothing wrong with people walking around with clipboards. Absolutely not. That's exactly how I say it to people. It's not just a clipboard person, you know. That... Exactly. And, and the, you know, the organiser, the person pulling the strings, absolutely is, is a critical part of it. But when you, when you look at the events industry and this podcast, you know, as an example, you know, every episode is completely different and not necessarily relevant to every single person who works in the industry. You know, we might be talking about diversity and inclusion in the events industry one week. We might be talking about AV. We might be talking about conferences. We might be talking about live events, music festivals, you know, uh, whatever, whatever it may be. It is so diverse just the terms of, uh, in terms of what the word events cover, you know, that's a wedding, that's a music concert, that's a dog show, that's a, a village fair. That's a business conference in a hotel just off the M40, you know. And when you look at how many people are then required to run it, you know, it stands to reason that if you look at the sort of the classic club industries for the sort of the members clubs, you know, law, um, finance, banking, you know, all of these sort of highbrow industries have got their members clubs, haven't they, in London where people can go and, and do exactly what you described. But, you know, when you actually look at the mechanics of how our industry works, when people work, and that a lot of these people will probably have offices and bases that are outside of London. They're constantly commuting backwards and forwards, aren't they? If we look Absolutely. at London as the example. So to have a base or somewhere where they can go to make that time just a little bit more logistically efficient is is, is a great thing. Exactly. I'd like to sort of uh, highlight the point that you said about other clubs. So one of the factors of this is that, I'm not saying everyone, but we can't afford to go to these clubs you know a crewing member or you know a lot of us can't afford to go to a soho house and even if you could afford to go to a soho house you know uh, it's becoming a an expense driven business so what i mean by that is that you can go there but you know do you want to spend 50 pounds on lunch the only people that tend to are the people that then can go and hand that receipt and then claim it back so i'm trying to provide something that is not like that i want a 
keep on referring to crew, but you know, it's not just crew. But I want someone like a crew member to be able to turn up and find an area within one of the locations that they are comfortable in and that they can, um, you know, have a pint compared to someone else that's going to order a, a cocktail for it. And they feel really comfortable doing it because it's part of their own. Um, and the only way that I could see doing that was subsidizing it, subsidizing the business with a venue. So, you know, please God, thankfully, hopefully, I should say, um, the business as the events club will be able to stand on its own two feet. But could I say that from day one? I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. So just to give you an idea, you know, when you're talking about paying thousands for some event club, uh, for some members clubs, we're talking about 500 pounds a year for a membership. And I'm hoping the idea is that corporate people do buy those memberships for their employees. And we're doing, we're, you know, we really are trying to do something for the industry. This isn't about us just saying, let's try and sign up as many members as we can. You know, again, I'm having this, uh, this, this going back and forth with founding members about exactly how we're going to play it. And we're currently on the version, uh, version five, it probably is now. But, the, you know, the membership allows a company to buy an amount of memberships. That doesn't, that, that's for their company. So if you've got a 20-person a company, you only need to buy five, for example, and we will allow five of those 20 in at any one point. But even if the sixth person turns up, we're not going to turn them away. They, they get signed in as a member, yeah, yeah. Um, sorry, as a guest. Um, yeah. And then should that happen every week or every day, then the, you know, the company will get an email saying, we'd like you just to upgrade your membership to six because we're finding. And, and the truth is, we, we want people to stop going to prep. We want them to come to us. So well, I was we... going to say, how, how many event meetings? And, and I know, because uh, I know how many I've been in, you know, oh, we'll meet at that coffee shop on the corner. You know the one. Yeah, great. I'll see you in there. And you go in there and and, and that that coffee shop is getting the 15 or 20 quid that you spend yeah. in there over the course of a, a two hour meeting. Um, you know, if, if I'm not saying we, <laughs> we need to take the business back, but, you know, all of those places, people are trying to, basically have very very important meetings about events that have got probably quite large budgets uh, and they're doing it in a not for purpose space absolutely whether or not i can name brands on the show i'm sure you're fine with that well, um, yeah, but yeah that, you know we all walk into these places and you just you know they're crowded with with big meetings going on and i i, I am calling out to the industry i'm trying to do something really good for the industry i've been in it for so long now that um i think it deserves it i think the pandemic really shot us all in the arm i think we are trying to get back to where we were but it's hard it's gonna be hard it's gonna be hard for a, a you know a, a while yet mm. um but i'm calling on the industry to when it's open to actually come and use it we want people to come and utilize the space spend that money instead of going to starbucks i would promise you that the quality of the drinks and the food will be better <laughs> um and the same sort of cost we're not going to be a soho house cost um, and again, sorry for referring to her house the whole time. Um, but, uh, you know, the initiatives that we're putting together, we want people to fall in love with being here. And I, I, I don't say that lightly because that's the truth. Um, it will help. Everything is it's a bit of a circle. We want the industry to be our sales tools. We want them to like being here. So, you know, we're doing events at the moment. And it's funny, I've been out of the game for two years because I've been trying to start this up. And now while I'm doing events at the Belgravia, which was formerly... Um, Il Bataccio back in the day for those people that are, are that old that they can remember it and then it was um, one Belgravia but even watching you know crew go go out and buy a hundred of the, you know, the, the, the team building the event buying a hundred coffees throughout the day um, at Pret and I'm just seeing these Pret um, 
fossils and things everywhere. So um, I, I really, really feel so strongly that it, it's something that will benefit the industry. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, and having having their own space. Well, some, something again, just to pick up on a point about the pandemic. You know, how many businesses do we all know who decided during the pandemic that actually working from home is quite a good thing, and we can get rid of our office space as a result of it? So, you know, that the, there's a lot of event businesses now and agencies and, and and planners who might have a four, five, six person team working for the business who don't have an office space now. They don't they don't have a necessarily a fixed base of operations. Yeah. Um, and, that, and I'm seeing a lot of that. Um, yeah. I had uh, my initial vision. You know, my, my vision keeps on changing every few seconds because you, you make one, you make one realization, then you get to the next one very quickly. So it was all aimed at people from London at the beginning, and then quickly that went to no. What am I talking about? You know, people coming into London from around the country every day, and then I realised people coming from Europe for the rest of the you know a lot of the time. So um, we did. We have done some PR around that and. It's been really interesting because I'm getting calls and I'm having Zoom interviews and meetings, which I say with with companies around um, Europe and the, around the rest of the UK saying, are you going to have this? Can I, you know, and because I when you speak to people face to face, they get it. it it's it's really difficult to explain what we're trying to do on a website um, and having 30 minute Zooms with people saying, yep, yeah, by the end of it, we're signing up to five people. It's a really nice thing to to have but i can't speak to i can't have 30 minute meetings with hundreds and hundreds of companies so hopefully mm. that this will be able to um, speak to people directly absolutely in terms of i think what's really important is is maybe to to really sort of describe and paint the picture so that people can maybe imagine it as they're listening to this today or watching this how the the internal space is going to manifest itself you know, I think I think people would maybe ask you, right, how, are you going to have, you know, meeting rooms? Are there going to be communal areas, cafes, bars, you know, pods where I can sit on my laptop and work? How, how are you hoping that the internal design and layout of, of the venues is going to imagine so, itself? The first thing to say about that is each location has to be designed specifically. So the one we, we've got two at the moment, which are going to be launched later on in the year, quarter, quarter three. Um, and the one is we've got one in Belgravia and we've got one in Angel. They are absolutely completely the other end of the scale to each other. So the one in Angel is industrial space, brand new building. So it's great, um, but completely industrial. Whereas the one in Belgravia is your typical um, Soho house type of fill. Yeah. So that's across six floors. And the design of it is, I can quickly run through that one. So uh, as you approach on the ground floor, you've got a really lovely restaurant, which is the type of space that you could visit if you've got 30 minutes to grab your coffee and your, co uh, and your croissants, quickly go through some notes and then go to, you know, Victoria or the new Peninsula Hotel that's being built next door. Um, and then when you go to the, the, the next floor, which is aimed at flexible workspace, you've got a whole floor of, you know, up to 60, 70 um seating space and everyone thinks a bit mad and the reason i'm doing this part of the floor is it that's a a, a non-disturbing floor and it hit me again speaking to founding members that if someone's coming and they've got two hours to work they want to work for two hours they don't want to be sold to they don't want to unfortunately have to say hello to 17 people that they know so that is the floor it's all about non-disturbance um, if you know, quiet the, car on the train. Oh, exactly. If you know the film Fight Club, there's only one rule in the events club, 
Um, and so I'm going to stick to that. It's really important because I, I, I think people, I don't want to have those phone calls saying, Andrew, really love being there, but I'm not getting any work done. So that is a floor dedicated to that. And then the floor above um, is a lot more occasional seating where you can actually have your meetings and chats and team meetings, et cetera. And then as you get to the top floor, it's a much more evening sort of space where it is very much um, after work. It's actually only going to open after work. There's a screening room up there, which during the day will be um, aimed at suppliers who, so film um, film filmmakers, photographers, so they could use it as a space where they can show um, or, or, or show their potential clients um, their work or even finished edits once they feel, finish the, the wedding. You know, they come to a central London venue and they get to see it in a, in a lovely uh, space. Um, and then we've got in the basement, we've got a production kitchen. We'll have a tasting room. Again, another thing that's really important when I've been speaking to caterers that they actually get to use a space in central London to invite clients to rather than taking them back to their, their units perhaps. Um, lockers, the rest pods, showers, um, and that's about it. That's about sorry, meeting rooms as well. So yeah, bookable meeting rooms. I love the idea of the, the, the space where it is it is work only because you know that that's something that people will understand really easily. Once you explain that to a new member, you know, if you see anybody on that floor that you know, don't disturb them because they're there for a reason. They're working, and it's and it's almost like that that lovely sort of nod of appreciate. You know that not of knowing that you get from somebody you know you might see somebody that you know you might exchange eye contact with them a second but they know that you're there working and you've yeah. got something important that you need to achieve exactly i think and again you know we're ironing over a lot of things and i'm trying to iron over those things before uh, so i keep on saying about founding members but that's why it's really important for us we've given some ridiculous benefits to founding members um and i'll give you some stats we're on about 450 applications so far and that's that's a number of categories of people so that's anything from a freelancer signing up as a one person um all the way up to we've got people signing up to, to 20 for example and that's you know might be a uh, an events company that has a, a lot of people so um there that's where we are really it's, it's it's trying to carve out over the next few months exactly what the business needs to be for a lot of people i think i've probably read many business books over my lifetime saying you can't be everything to everyone but I'm trying to break that rule a little bit and say well let's try and offer as much as we can to the events industry because I yeah. think I think they need it or we need it I should say and as as as, as daft a question as may sound will, will the events club be available for events or are you going to keep it exclusively and solely for, for for what its intended purposes so the uh, every, every site I was quite big on this that every site we take over will have an event space part of it um so the one in belgravia it's a separate entrance it's always the, the venues we have or the venues i've always been involved with have been exclusive so it's all about taking a building for a day and that is the clients for the day and they can do what they want with it so very different from a hotel where you can have people walking through the lobby and um, this is all about exclusive event spaces. So we have exclusive entrance separate from the events club. So yeah, it's quite, it's, it's, it's a big USP about what I'm trying to do. Um, and yeah, so yeah. It, 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 in terms of, uh, in terms of the, the catering, the, the sort of the in-house sort of side of things, the food and beverage offering, how far down the line are you in terms of, of, of sorting that as, you know, chefs, staff, you know, menus and things like that. What, what stage are you at the moment? 
but before I forget why I do want to talk about is list preferred lists. So oh, yes, I, again, yeah. sorry, it's because it's part of that conversation. So I've always uh, ran venues that have had lists, you know, the list started, I think, back in the days of sort of the 70s, 80s, where you had some of the big institutions. And it's understandable, I have to say, it's understandable why some people need a list. But I can't uh, wholeheartedly say that I'm trying to do something for the events community. I'm trying to make sure that everyone has an option to work and then say, oh, and here's a closed list. So I'm doing something quite novel, I think, and everyone's quite appreciative. If there are no lists, um, anyone that is actually a caterer or a natural production company, natural florist, will be able to work in these spaces. Um, the side caveat to that, however, is that at one point, as soon as we are um, open for the events club, they will have to be members of the events club. They could sign up to one membership, which is only £500, but that will go hand in hand with that. So I'm trying to say that this industry needs to be a bit more open. Um, mm. There's too many venues that don't necessarily need to have lists. I'm trying to be very transparent. So um, we, we may have an advertised list in the future because it might be important at that stage, but I'm trying to have a space that's accessible to all. I mean, all the venues that I've ever run have a occupancy of probably anywhere between 38 and 45%. So we're talking about venues that are empty for 50, 60% of the year. So I'm trying to give all members an opportunity to use those spaces. So they are busy. So whether or not a um, uh, an agency wants to try and drive recruitment, for example, they can come to us and say, you know, we'd like to take one of the spaces to do something fun and interesting. But in return for that, they're using it as a bit of a, bit of a drive for recruitment. Um, we're going to be putting on as much as we can really for the industry as far as seminars and talks, you know, all free. That's the idea that the community is putting those on. So if you are um, in health and safety as your, as your business, we'd love, as a member, we'd love them to be able to come and do talks. We'd love first aiders. We'd love SIA security. We, you know, whatever it is, we'd yeah. like to be able to provide that for the industry. In-house CPD. Perfect, yeah. isn't it? Um, Timeline-wise and application-wise, you mentioned that you're taking applications yeah. uh, at, at the moment. Um, what is is the timeline for the sort of the opening uh, of the events under the Events Club brand? And, and will there be a, a grand opening as such? Are, are the two venues that you've mentioned going to have sort of official launch launch events? Yes, so I mean they are they are running at the moment. Um, they are they're doing events at the moment, but yeah, we are going to do a big launch when the events club opens as, as one big picture. Um, and that will be sort of realistically September sort of time. Excellent. Okay. And presumably uh, applications are still open at the moment. If people will give out the contact details and a bit yeah. of website and stuff, but people can find out more and, and, and yeah. apply. Yeah. So applications for founding members are completely open at the moment. We are going to close it at some stage. Um, I just, it's been interesting trying to explain to people what those benefits are. And I've had caterers that I know very well that I've known for 20 years saying, yeah, yeah, of course, I'll sign up, I'll sign up. And then, you know, I'll look at the, the list and see that they haven't signed up a few days later. And I won't go into the benefits now because they can look, everyone can look on the website. But then I've had people send me a WhatsApp message saying, oh, I, you know, I've got a client, etc." Um, I said, yes, you know, in order to get that benefit, you just need to sign up. And they've, you know, straight away they've signed up. So it's it's been a bit of a do it now type of um, scenario for the last couple of months. But 
Um, there's nothing to pay. We're not taking any money. All we're taking is founding members' applications. And then when we we can then go back to people and slot in those appropriate people. Um, and the reason we're doing that is that I don't want to have a space that is overrun on day one. So when I say splitting those up, we're going to have a number of crewing companies, a number of caterers, a number of florists, a number of so that they use the space throughout the, the 24 hour period differently. Um, and only after circa three months of data will we be able to say, yeah, we can open up another 50 spaces, another 100, another 500, whatever it may be. So that's the idea. And that's why we want people to get in quickly before they say, oh, I didn't realize I, I didn't realize you were closing the list. Um, so that, that that's I'd like people to sign up ASAP. Um, and then they will always have the flexibility to decide once they've been accepted whether or not they want to take it or not. Absolutely. We've been talking on the podcast today to Mr. Andrew Morrow, the founder of the Events Club. Um, Andrew, if people want to find out a bit more, you, you've mentioned uh, that they can go to the website and get all these benefits. What is the website that they need? So it's www.the, as in the, hyphen eventsclub.com. So I think that's over your screen at the moment. Absolutely. Any, anybody watching the video of today's podcast, it's on the screen now. If you're listening to the podcast today, the-eventsclub.com is where you need to go and you'll get all the information on there. Andrew, thanks very much for uh, hopping on the podcast today and taking the time to uh, to tell us about this exciting venture and uh, the very best of luck with it. No doubt you'll, you'll keep us um, informed as to, as to sort of any further developments and uh, of yeah, keep us in the loop. We, we'd love to find you'll have a London home as soon as we're open. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, of course, if uh, if you want to check out our own home, everybody, if you're listening to today's podcast via your podcast platform on your device, don't forget that you can go to eventindustrynews.com on your browser. You can check out video versions of all of our podcasts, as well as find out the latest news features, special supplements that are all available on eventindustrynews.com. The uh, Sustainable Event Buyer's Guide was released just a few weeks ago on Event Industry News. The 2023 edition is out there now. Now, sustainability, huge topic on uh, and within the events industry at the moment um, and going hand in hand with the launch of the new sustainable buyers guide uh, is the launch of the event sustainability live show that will run at Excel London alongside event tech live later on this year. That's event sustainability live. If you go to eventindustrynews.com, links to event tech live and the brand new event sustainability live show can be found on there. So a little shout out for that uh, that newly launched event there. Our thanks once again to today's guest, Mr. Andrew Morrow from the Events Club for telling us all about this exciting venture. And uh, it brings us neatly and nicely to the end of today's episode of the podcast. We'll see you all again in uh, the next edition. Thanks very much, everybody. Goodbye. Mm -hmm.